0: This program is made possible by the giving of the God Called Partners of Renner Ministries. Hey, friend, this is Rick Renner, and today we're going
1: to return to the service that I was preaching at Eagle Mountain International Church, where pastors George and Terry Pearsons lead the church. But I want to give you a thought. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus was on his way to the other side of the sea, and on the other side of the sea was the country of the Gadarenes, where there were two demon possessed men that needed to be set free. And the devil had really used those two men to terrorize that entire region. And And the devil knew if Jesus reached the other side, not only would Jesus perform one of the greatest miracles he ever worked, but in doing that miracle, he would set those two men free and the whole region that had been terrorized would also be set free. So the Bible tells us when Jesus was in the middle of the lake, In the middle of the night, headed to the other side, suddenly there arose a great storm of wind. And in Greek, the word suddenly means out of nowhere. It was the last thing we would have expected. It took us completely off guard and by surprise, out of nowhere there arose a great storm of wind. And it's interesting that wind is not something you can see, but you can feel the effects of it. And in fact, the word wind, in Greek could be better translated, turbulence. There was turbulence in the atmosphere. Well, think about it. Jesus was in that ship, headed to the other side, and on the other side, he was going to work a miracle to set two men free and to set a whole region free from a spirit of fear, and the devil knew that. So when Jesus was in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, headed for that great breakthrough, suddenly out of nowhere there arose turbulence, which tried to capsize the boat and stop him from getting to the other side. And that's often what happens when you're on the way to do something significant for God. The devil tries to circumvent it and to stop you. And in those moments, you need to overcome a spirit of fear and you need to speak faith. And that's why I want you to order my two-part series called How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubled Times and it comes with a tremendous study guide. My friend, you need to devour this and get this teaching down deep inside you. But today, we're going to be talking about what triggers an attack and how to use your mouth to overcome it. Let's continue.
0: Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick and then when
1: you come to verse 8 look at verse 8 Paul says to him in verse 8 be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord nor of me his prisoner but be thou partaker of the what afflictions of the gospel and then there's those two little words again according to everybody say according to The power of God. And in this verse, we find to what extent the spirit of fear has begun to control him. He is in such a retreat mode that he is tempted to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. And not only that, he's putting space between him and the apostle Paul, who is his father in the faith, because Paul is in prison charged with being one of the chief arsonists. And if he remains in relationship with Paul, that could cost him his life. And when you read this in the Greek text, it's a double negative with a prohibition. It means stop it, stop it now. Stop being ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Stop being ashamed of me, his prisoner and be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Well, Paul was not wishing afflictions on anybody, but the truth is when you take a stand for what is right in a world that is wrong, sometimes you have to deal with flack. And now Paul says, be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. What's those next two words? According to... Again, the Greek word kata, the same word we saw in verse 1, which means you would translate it, being dominated, being conquered, being subjugated by the power of God, which means if you will take a stand for what is right, God's power will join itself to you. And even though you're in the midst of difficult situations, you will be dominated, conquered, and subjugated by the power of God that has come to join you in the midst of your stand. And I believe this is a very relevant message for what is ahead of the church right now. But wait, then notice what Paul says next. Paul continues and in verse nine, he begins to discuss the gospel who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, verse 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath what? Abolished death. That was a very pertinent message at that moment. He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then in verse 11, Paul says... Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Whereunto points back to the two previous verses. Unto this glorious gospel, unto this gospel, I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. He's magnifying his call. And then in verse 12, Paul says, For the which cause? For what cause? because I'm appointed a preacher, because I'm appointed to be an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, because of the call that is upon my life for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul is sitting in prison. Cannot speak one word in his defense. He's already been to trial once. You can read that in chapter four. He says that my first defense not one man stood with me. All men walked out on me. Then he adds, Hence, nevertheless, the Lord stepped forward in my defense. And I was delivered from the mouth of the lion. So Paul himself has known a little rejection. In fact, if you read on in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he says, This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia... Have forsaken me. I don't even understand that verse. 90% of Paul's ministry took place where? Asia. That's where he did most of his ministry. And now that he is sitting in a Roman prison being charged with a fire that burned down Rome, most of those people that he worked with in Asia have abandoned him. He knows much more about abandonment than Timothy will ever know. But Paul is able to separate what is happening to him and to keep in mind that this is not something personal. This is not really me that they're after. It's the call on my life that the devil is after. For the which cause? I'm appointed an apostle, a preacher, a teacher of the Gentiles for the which cause? It is for this reason I'm suffering these things. The devil is after my call. And the word "suffer" that is used here is the Greek word PASCO. The word PASCO carries the idea of an emotional suffering. Paul was having to deal with the fact that people that he loved and depended on had been unfaithful to him. He was mentally trying to deal with the fact that his name now was legendary in Rome for all the wrong reasons. And Paul says, for the witch cause. It's not about me. It's not really about me. That's not me that's triggered this attack. It's the call on my life. Because I'm an apostle, I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher of the Gentiles. For the witch cause, I'm suffering these things. Then he adds, listen to this. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Everybody say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. The word ashamed describes a person so embarrassed that their face, their face is blushed red. It means to be embarrassed, to be disgraced. Paul is sitting in prison, he knows what everybody is saying about him, and my friends, this is why it is very important for you to know something about yourself. It didn't matter what others were saying about him. he knew who he was, he knew who he was not, and he was not affected by the opinions of all the people that were speaking about him. And he said, I am not embarrassed. I am not red-faced for I know, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that, which I've committed unto him against that day. And when Paul says, for I know, it's the Greek word oida, he describes knowledge gained by personal experience. It was the equivalent of saying, I've had a lot of experience with Jesus, and one thing I've learned about him, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Everybody say persuaded. persuaded. The word persuaded is the Greek word patho. It can be translated persuasion, but it means to coax one from one opinion to another opinion, to sway one from one opinion to another opinion. And it tells us that while Paul was in prison, he had to speak to himself. Because naturally speaking, Paul's future also did not look very good. And if all he did was think about the rejection that he has experienced and what could possibly be in his future, he too could be taken with a spirit of fear. But rather than think about all those possible things, patho, Paul began to speak to himself. Well, if you're in a place of isolation and you have nobody else to encourage you, who is going to encourage you? You've got to speak to to yourself, And Paul began to run his mouth in the right way until he talked himself out of unbelief into a position of faith. He walked himself into a position of faith for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. I've been doing some self-talk in this prison. I've walked myself into a new position and I am persuaded he is able to keep what I've committed unto him. Against that day. And the word keep is the Greek word phulaso, the very word used to describe a soldier who had uninterrupted vigilance in watching over a piece of property that was committed to his charge. It was the same word used to describe the uninterrupted vigilance of shepherds who watched over sheep that had been committed to their charge. And by using this word, keep the Greek word philosophy, it is the equivalent of Paul saying, hey, I am the Lord's property. I am his. And as my great soldier, he's hovering over me. He has uninterrupted vigilance. He is watching over me. And not only that, he's the great shepherd of the sheep and I am one of his and he is watching over Over me, and I'm persuaded he is able to keep me completely to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And the word "committed," the Greek word "paratheke," the word "para" means alongside. The word "theke" comes from the word "tithemi," which means to place or to position. But when you put these two words together, it means to pull up alongside of something. And to make a deposit. And every time I see this word "paratheki" in Greek, I think when I was a boy, my father was always paid on Thursday nights. And on Thursday night, we always drove to Sand Springs, to the Sand Springs State Bank, where there was a depository box on the exterior of the bank. How many of you remember those days? And I would watch my dad walk up to that big metal handle, open it. He would put the money inside he would make a deposit paratheque. He came right alongside of that box, put the money in, made his deposit. And when my daddy sealed that door, Nobody could touch that money. He couldn't even take it out himself because now it was beyond his reach. It was permanently deposited. And now the apostle Paul said, when I gave my life to Christ, I pulled up alongside of him. I put me in him and nobody can touch me. I can't even take myself out of him. I am in him and I am secure inside him. But now let me ask you a question. Why do you suppose this attack happened to the Christian church and particularly to the Apostle Paul at that precise moment? What triggered the attack? What triggered the attack? Well, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to a verse that has been twisted out of context so many times. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 7, a verse which Happy alluded to earlier today. And in this verse, the Apostle Paul says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Well, when I was growing up, I was told that Paul had a problem with pride because he had so many revelations. So God assigned the devil to him to keep him in place. But my friends, pride began with the devil. And if the devil had been charged with his assignment, he would have flamed the pride into something even bigger. The devil would not have been a help in this regard. (laughs) Then what in the world is this verse talking about? Not only that, I was told in my denomination that the thorn in the flesh was some kind of a physical malady. For example, we were told that the Apostle Paul had an eye disease and his eyes just were matted with weeping all the time. We also were told that the Apostle Paul was a hunchback and he was all doubled over. We were also told that the Apostle Paul had club feet. So you can imagine, put all of this together, hunched over, can't see, club feet. I don't know how he walked all those thousands and thousands of miles to do his ministry with club feet. But yet there's not a thing in the scripture to indicate any of that is true. That is just the concoction of religion. Then what was the thorn in the flesh and why was this messenger assigned to him? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Are you ready for a revelation? First of all, he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure. Hang on. It is the Greek word hooperino. I'm going to read to you from my notes. The word hooper means over, above, and beyond. It depicts something that is way above measure and conveys the idea of something that is greater, superior, higher, better, more than a match for utmost, paramount, or foremost. It describes something that is first-rate, first-class, top-notch, unsurpassed, unequaled, and unrivaled by any person or thing. It's over the top. The second part of the word in Greek is hiero, which describes something that's been lifted up, raised up, or supremely exalted. And when you compound the two words together, it forms the Greek word huporino, which is a person who has been supremely exalted, one who has been magnified, increased, and lifted up to a place of great influence. Now that changes this verse. It means because my ministry has been so exalted because of the influence that I have had. And then he adds through the abundance of the revelations, the word abundance, the Greek word huperbalo, it describes something excessive way over the top. It is the very word which was used to describe an archer who pulled back on his bow to shoot an arrow. But he shot way, 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 way over the top of the goal. And now Paul uses this to describe the kinds of divine revelation that he has received. Then he says, and because of the position of influence that has been given to me, because of the overshooting revelations that I have received, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The word thorn, the Greek word skolops, describes a dangerously sharp, spiked instrument or tool. Now, listen to this. It was used specifically to describe the stake on which an enemy's head was stuck after being decapitated. I'm going to put this together for you in just a moment. Then he says, The messenger of Satan. I don't know what was wrong with our denomination. This doesn't say the messenger of God. It clearly says the messenger of Satan. The word messenger, the Greek word angelos, it describes a messenger who is sent or dispatched on a specific assignment. It says it was a messenger dispatched by Satan, the Greek word satanas, which describes one who conspires against and the purpose of the conspiracy was to buffet me. The word buffet me, the Greek word kolophidzo, from a word which describes the fist or the knuckles, but here it refers to re- repeated beatings with the fist, unrelenting, continuous, repetitious beatings intended to distract.
0: We are living in a world filled with uncertainty and fear. As an end time generation, we are facing things we never dreamed we would face, and previous generations have not ever had to deal with before. Sometimes it seems like darkness has been unleashed, And as a result, many people have been gripped with fear. Others deal with fear about their finances, their health, their family, their jobs, their future. But you do not have to give in to fear. You can learn to conquer fear and speak faith to yourself. The programs in this series are being offered as a two-message set in digital and physical formats, starting at just $20. And this series will include two study guides, how to overcome a spirit of fear and how to speak faith to yourself in troubled times. We are also offering life in the combat zone. Rick's classic book that deals extensively with the situation the early church faced during the brutal days of Nero. It was a time when there was betrayal in the church, defections from the ranks and people were troubled, but they overcame fear and learned to speak faith to themselves, they learned how to survive thrive and overcome in difficult situations and rick will show you how you can do it too life in the combat zone is available for 17 dollars. don't miss this special offer the series how to overcome a spirit of fear and how to speak faith to yourself in troubled times and the book life in the combat zone call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order call or go online now
1: Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and today I want to give you a report about what's happening in the construction of our new studio. Work still continues. It's taken a little bit longer than we anticipated because of all the sanctions that have stopped materials from coming to Russia, but we're doing it step by step. And today they're installing the fireplace, which is going to be the centerpiece of this big room where we're going to be filming programs. But in addition to this, there's gonna be another set over here and another set over there. So many angles and opportunities to film teaching that people can trust in this room. But of course, this is just one room. But I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this room. To think, the TV programs with the Word of God are going to be filmed right here. And when I look around this room, you can see this electrical grid that's gonna hold all the lights. It's on electrical pulleys, so it goes up, it goes down. It's just going to have everything we need to film the teaching of the Word of God. But hey, there's more than this. Let me show you. Well, I know you can't tell from what it looks like right now, but this really is going to be one of the smaller studios. And this is going to be Denise's studio because Denise is reaching women everywhere with her programming. And right from this spot, Denise is going to be sending her teaching to women all over the world. But hey, there's another set in addition to this one. This is our third studio in this new building. You may say, why do you need three studios because We're filming a lot of programs. Right now, we can only film one program at a time. We have to set it up, take it down, but this will enable us to do multiple things at one time. But on both floors of this building, there are multiple offices. In fact, there are 18 offices. And in all of these offices, people are going to be doing editing, writing, producing programs working with our network, it is amazing the activity that's going to take place in this building. And it's not about buildings, it's about people. People need the teaching of the Word of God. But it's your generous gifts that have helped us to build this and we will complete it. But right now we're in phase three of our ministry, which is paying off our Tulsa Ministry headquarters. We wanna pay it off because the moment it's paid off, all of those funds will be released for us to broadcast the teaching of the Word of God around the world. And that's really our goal, to get the gospel and to teach people the Bible all over the world. They're just crying out for it and they're waiting for that signal to come with the answer that they've been seeking. So please help us as we finish phase three to pay off the Tulsa facility. What we have seen today, that very often an attack is triggered right when you're on the edge of something significant. I've learned that in my own life and in my own ministry. When we're about to do something new that's going to affect a lot of people, a great breakthrough The devil doesn't just roll over and play dead. He doesn't just twiddle his thumbs while you do something significant. He says, red alert, you gotta stop this guy. You've gotta stop this people from what they're about to do. And your revelation, your illumination, your act of obedience may trigger an attack. But my friends, if an attack has been triggered against you, take it as a signal that you're on the right track. You are doing something so right that the enemy is threatened by what you are doing. And this is not a moment for you to give in to a spirit of fear or to begin to speak a bunch of negative junk. You need to use your tongue like the rudder of a ship to guide you in the right direction. The Bible tells us in James chapter three that if you will use your mouth correctly and speak faith to yourself, even in troubled times, you will push through the attack and you will get through To the other side. That's why I want you to have my two part series, which is called How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubled Times. God gave you a mouth. And if there's no one else to speak faith to you, then you speak faith to yourself. Let your ears hear your mouth speak words of faith, and your words of faith will help you push through those troubled times. I really want you to have this series with the study guide. And there's a book that goes with this series I'm preaching. And the book is called Life in the Combat Zone how to survive, thrive, and overcome in the midst of any difficult situation. If you're going through a difficult time, this book is waiting for you, my friend. It will help set you free and keep you moving in the right direction. But hey, let us know how to pray for you. We believe in prayer. We're waiting to pray for you. So call us or send us your email. But wow, what a blessing that I could share this message with you. Remember, in this ministry, we're waiting to minister to you, so call us and let us know how to pray for
0: you. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.